You're listening to Outnumber the Podcast, episode 150, Preparing for a Large Family. Those of you who have followed us for a while know that Audrey has nine children and I'm a mom of 10. So together we have quite a bit of information and experience in raising mega large families. We're thrilled today to share a little bit of insight into what it's like to raise these families and how to prepare yourself if you're also interested in having many children. There are so many blessings and joys that come to us as moms of large families, but a lot of surprises and challenges as well. So I hope you'll join us on this journey of learning more about it. Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Welcome back, friends. We are today recording an episode that is kind of a second half of our episode about preparing to grow your family that that aired a few weeks ago. This one is about preparing for a large family. So we are not going to tell you what (laughs) constitutes a large family. It could be four kids for you. It could be 14 for somebody else. But if this is something that you desire or are thinking that you and your spouse are planning for, um, we've got a few tips for how to wrap your head around raising a large brood. This is one of our favorite things to talk about talk about. If you've listened to any of our podcast episodes before, you probably have figured that, figured out that Bonnie and I love big families and love talking about big families. So sometimes we read reviews here on the podcast and we notice that we haven't, it's been a little while since we've read a review and it's been a little while since we've gotten a review. And we just wanted to remind you guys that we really, really appreciate every single review that's left. And it's not only because we like to hear the nice things that you have to say about us. <laughs> it's because reviews, when they're left on, especially the um, the podcast app on an iPhone, they help other people find the podcast too. And so we'd love to share everything we have to say about large families and everything else we talk about with a larger audience. And you can help us do that by leaving a review. So thank you in advance. Yes, totally. And you can always share um, an episode that you really loved with somebody um, who you think might enjoy it as well. So to start off, I wanted to just share, we were kind of chit-chatting before um, airing that we, we get some awkward comments about large families, as you can imagine, right? Like, are all these yours? And, oh, do you not have a TV? That kind of a thing. Um, but I remember one um, comment in particular that I had gotten that was so sweet and really caught me off guard. We were just shopping in Costco, and I'm, I'm sure I had all my kids with me because we were getting stares, you know. And this one sweet woman, a little bit older, just stopped me and said, are these all your children? And I kind of steeled myself for a, <laughs> something kind of rude, you know. And, she, and I said, yes. And she said, bless your heart. You are doing a good work. And she just went on and on about, and I was like tearing up in an aisle at Costco, like, this is the sweetest thing any stranger has ever said to me. <laughs> so I just show that because there are a lot of wonderful people that realize that having a large family is a lot of work. Um, I think mostly people who say awkward things are just kind of flabbergasted and don't understand how um, it's even possible to have a large family. So I don't blame them for saying weird, <laughs> weird things, but it's just such such a nice change to have such a positive comment. So uh, one of the first things I wanted to mention about having a large family or preparing to is spending time with large families. So very often in my experience, people who have large families or who are planning to 
um, do so because they had a really positive experience at some point in their life with a large family. And this is totally the case for me. I had an aunt and uncle that had nine children and going to their house was just magical. It was total chaos and loud. And someone was always home making noise and they had this gorgeous backyard and a super fun house. Um, but I, I just kind of knew what to expect. Right. So, um, some, some things will always be a surprise once you start getting a bunch of kids under your own roof. Um, but we, I did want to start with a few of those because sometimes it can be a little bit alarming when you get to that point. One of those was the noise. Like I mentioned, I had noticed that at my aunt and uncle's, but somehow at 15, it didn't quite sink in that like, if I had that many kids, it would totally be up to me to manage the noise and chaos. So that's always a little bit of a surprise. Um, I don't want to say losing control, but relinquishing control. I have to, I had to relinquish a lot of control and still do over what my kids do, what they wear, what they eat, because I can't be everywhere at once. Right. Um, one pleasant surprise was my children's independence. My kids are way more independent, um, than a lot of children I see. And I think a lot of this is due in part to there being many children, them having to do their own thing. Right. Um, and then also cost maintenance, maintenance of a large family. That's obviously, um, quite substantial sometimes. And then also space and kind of the systems, uh, space necessary and the systems necessary to run a large household. Yes, those are definitely some of my biggest surprises too. I, I think the noise. I've said like a hundred times, probably even sometimes aloud, <laughs> that someone who is kind of as noise averse as I am should never have had so many kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely like the food, grocery bill, the percentage of your income that will go toward that. And then if you do, um, you know, lean more toward what our family is doing, where we raise and grow a lot of our own food, just the amount of time that it takes to grow that much food. Um, the importance of systems, like I could, we have a whole episode about systems and organization, but the the importance of those systems was so surprising to me. It's It's like, you know, if you don't have a system for just, just even dumb little things like library fines, I mean like returning books, then the fines start stacking up. And if you don't have a system for keeping track of library books, then these books get lost and those fines go up. And I'm like, you know, they should have an entire wing of the library named after our family for as much as we've donated through fines. <laughs> I do kind of want to just like advertise, hey, if you're appreciating your free library, you can thank us because we're single-handedly <laughs> supporting it. Although that being said, some of my neighboring towns are still doing fees, but our our town no longer does library fees. They instituted Ours? that maybe a year ago, and I yeah. I was like, oh, the heavens opened. You know, I know. I know. Angels were singing. It was amazing. I know. You know, at the board meeting, they were like, "Well, for most families, this will be a good thing, but for those eight and nine kid families, <laughs> this is like we're gonna be like losing money here. But for everybody else, it's pretty. You know, <laughs> our local library did that recently too, and I was just like, yeah, same feeling, like hallelujah. Yeah. 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 It's pretty yeah. awesome for sure. One thing that I was really surprised at just personally was my um, ability to flex and grow and change and become less of a selfish person and more of a selfless person. Like I didn't expect having a large family would change me in such mm. a huge way, but that is one pleasant surprise that has come out of having a large family. Oh, that's a beautiful concept for sure. I have been changed for the good in so many ways and tried and tested in so many ways. You know, as we get more experience, we grow. doesn't matter what the experience is, right? And there are lots of experiences to be had raising a large family. So that's a beautiful thought. 
So I wanted to start by, okay, so first thing, let me say that much of what we're talking about today has been covered in depth in other episodes because we talk about our experiences raising large families. So we're going to refer to quite a few episodes in this one um, and link them all in the show notes. So if anything catches your ear and you want to go listen to more of it, just check the show notes for that. But in one of our earlier episodes with um, our guest, Mary Jordan, we talked about the concept of a family being run like a business. And I recently read a business book called Predictable Success by Les McEwen. And he talks about the different phases that businesses go through. And it really struck me that families are exactly the same. In fact, he, he talks about how families are one organization. You'll see some of these same shifts. And one of the first shifts, I think it's the second to the third, is where a family or an organization or a business goes from fun, the fun phase, to what he calls whitewater, which you can envision <laughs> what that is, right? You're in a raft. There's like, you know, water everywhere. You're holding on for dear life and you think you could drown at any minute. <laughs> so that's kind of what I've seen happen um, over the past uh, five to eight years as our family's gone from about six kids to 10 kids. Right. And there was another shift earlier on as well from three to five and six. Um, but what that means is that all of a sudden, um, you have to start implementing a lot more systems. You can no longer do it all. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You have to have, you have to have help to, to be able to run a large family. It's like, it's like running a business like Mary Jordan was talking about in the episode. So, um, outsourcing is another thing that, comes in handy. So we'll think about it like this. You become, instead of like owning your own business and being the solo entrepreneur, you become like your family's CEO and you have, you have many irons in the fire and you have, you become more like a manager and less like the owner operator. You know, moms of one to three kids, they can pretty much still do everything that needs done. Moms of eight, 10, <laughs> we just can't do it all. And, and I think there comes some point between, well, for me, it was like three, three kids, because before that I felt like I had it all under control, but three just felt like out of sync. Like we were outnumbered at that point. And it's, that was where my shift began. I just realized I can't, I can't do it all. I can't go through a parking lot with three kids. I only have two hands, you know, so you have to start <laughs> coming up with solutions and, and brainstorming. So, um, some systems our family has adopted is like meals. So we, we have a bunch of episodes about food and meals, and I've talked a lot about it in depth there. If you're interested, go listen to some of those episodes. But um, I don't cook meals three times a day, 365 days a year. I, I can't. I lose my creativity and my inspiration. Like I'm just like, everybody just go get, get cereal or something. I'm not cooking another meal today. And so we, we divide up the meals through the day and delegate it to other kids. And like you were talking about letting go of your perfectionism and your, like when you start delegating things out to kids who are in training, your standards have to go down. Like another one that we have is laundry. So my kids fold laundry. Is it gorgeous? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> But the laundry's folded and they put it away and they're learning. And so then we go through the process where we, you know, teach, you know, a, a three-year-old, if they fold a dish towel, a, you know, a rectangular object, a dish towel, the corners don't match. They're just, you know, ugly. But then like my seven-year-old is still folding laundry, rectangular objects, and they're all sloppy. I'm like, you know what? I think you can do better than that. And you start, you start teaching. So just an example where, you know, you just put some systems in place and then you just have to let it go. You just have to let things go. Um, another 
system or place where we've delegated a lot of work is to working together to feed the family. So we kind of had this whole food culture and it, it starts with buying seeds and planting the garden and planting the seeds and, you know, talking about what meals we can make from those foods. And, oh, afternoon chore time is another system we've delegated. I cannot keep up with all the cleaning myself. My husband will call all the kids in and he'll say, okay, everybody hold out your hands. How many, how many hands are held out here? And it's like, you know, depending on the number of kids that are at home or in the room, we're like, oh yeah, we have like 14 hands. And then he says, okay, now mom, you hold out your hand. Okay. Now how many hands are out there? Two. Okay. So can 14 hands or two hands clean, make messes faster? Oh yeah. 14 hands. Okay. Well, can 14 hands or two hands clean up faster? Oh, oh yeah. Light bulb. 14 hands can clean way faster than two hands (laughs) and just kind of some visuals to help them out. And, and again, is it cleaned completely to my standards? Um, no, you should have seen my bathroom mirror after my three-year-old cleaned it the other day. (laughs) That was an ugly thing, but she did it and she's learning. And so just, um, you know, putting in systems and implementing things that help you not lose your mind as a mom of a large family. Right. And, you know, it's all trial and error. None of us really knows the best way to work for each family. We've tried a million different chore systems, a million different um, laundry systems, meal systems, and we just learn. And as your family changes, of course, because kids grow so quickly, things change so quickly, you just adapt. Um, And uh, it's really, like you say, really beautiful to see them start to gain some responsibility and some uh, accountability for their actions. I love it. We have really similar systems to you. We have specific laundry days. So like, you know, each child is responsible or each of the bigger children is responsible for their own laundry and their roommates. And they come put it in on a certain day and then they take it out and go take care of it, um, fold it and put it away. Meal responsibilities. So same as you, we only recently started delegating breakfast and lunch, which was glorious. Mm. So thank you, Audrey, for that (laughs) recommendation. They've always helped out with dinner, but now they're taking turns with breakfast and lunch. And is it, is it exciting food? No, it's like, sandwiches and um, oatmeal and, you know, very basic stuff, but they're learning. A meal cleanup is also huge too, because when that many kids are eating that many times a day, and if they're homeschooled, they're eating more often as well. And then as well as chore systems. And then we also have a system for helping with the little ones. So when I'm working or at an appointment or, you know, because as soon as you have more children, obviously more is on your plate, even outside of the home, errand wise and appointment wise. And then I have older kids to help out with the little ones. So, you know, and all this has come about as I've seen a need and realized that I can't fulfill that need. So somebody else is going to have to help. My goodness. I think that was a herd of elephants glumping up the stairs <laughs> to catch all I that. I didn't hear yours. I do hear a little bit of my TV, but I'm just going to oh. say that's better than kids screaming. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So talking about outsourcing, this is another thing that falls in line with system. I know that we talked about, um, I think it was in our episode on bare minimums where we talked about reaching out to others for help when, or, and our survival mode episode as well, when you're just not able to do it. So, you know, one, one thing I was thinking of the other day is, um, so everybody go, everybody gets groceries into their home. So what if you did yours through Walmart pickup and then your neighbor, when they're going to get their groceries, just picks up yours and brings it in, you know, that kind of thing. If you don't have a service that delivers directly to your house, just, you know, just because, um, taking a bunch of little kids to the grocery store takes more time than (laughs) Mm -hmm. going by yourself. So, you know, lots of, lots of outsourcing ideas we've shared through episodes in the past, but, 
then it doesn't mean outside of your home. It's inside your home too. Now, because our family is more spread out, I have tons of experience with giving teens and older children responsibilities that take them off your plate. So um, I even assign some tasks to my older kids that are like teaching tasks. So you know how to cook breakfast. You're very good at it. Now teach that to your next sibling down in line or, you know, skip down three siblings. This child wants to learn how to make breakfast. And I outsource that teaching again to somebody who already knows it. So that's kind of just one example of outsourcing within within the family beyond just mom. Yes, I love that you brought that up. I've realized that I've started doing the same thing. My six-year-old recently got it into her head that she had to make her own scrambled eggs every morning, <laughs> which is so cute, except for a six-year-old is not quite ready for um, independent stove usage. And so I just assign an older kid, hey, stand right next to her and make sure that she doesn't make a huge mess and burn the house down, you know, make sure everything gets turned off. And it's so great. They feel some additional responsibility. The younger kid can have more responsibility as well. And mom can still go nurse a baby or whatever needs to happen. Um, I think I have uh, a little bit of experience outsourcing outside of my home simply because our kids aren't quite as spread out. I don't have as many teens or young adults, but um, we have had many years of hiring a regular sitter slash mother's helper to come in um, on afternoons when I'm just totally overwhelmed. Um, I was just, when I was typing up these notes, I was remembering one time when I had a child who had a seizure out of nowhere. And it just so happened that that afternoon, our little sitter was coming over to help out so that I could run errands. And so I was able to whisk my child off to go get help. Um, and she was there with my younger kids. So, 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 so nice to have someone that you can rely on uh, when things get overwhelming. Um, and then I've also hired cleaning help. Sometimes still do when things get overwhelming. Um, mother, like I said, mother's helpers are great. They, they tend to be the ones that just come and stay at the home while you're there and they can just help kids fold or help with a little bit of cleaning or just entertain a toddler while you're busy with something else. Organizing help. I hired a, a girl this summer to help organize the garage and organize the laundry room and all the things that I've been needing to get to for forever. But, and sometimes this can be done really, really inexpensively if you can get an 11 or 12 year old in your neighborhood to come help, but, um, an awesome option. Yeah. So just, just a reminder, go listen to those two episodes again on, uh, survival times and bare minimum. So as we dive pretty deep into that concept of outsourcing and getting help outside of yourself. So what do you do when you have outside help or you have systems in place that make it, make your day run a little smoother? What, what do you do? What do you put in place? Um, self-care. <laughs> this is what something that Bonnie and I have come to discover is so, so important for moms. Um, you've got to make self-care a, pri a priority. You've got to have, you're still running this this show and you need to be in good condition to be able to do that go listen to our F episode 85 specifically about self-care for busy moms but it like every time I find like I'm just really run down and emotionally worn out and tired I realize that I have not been doing a very good job with self-care and I've got to keep myself it's like my responsibility it's almost like another way that I care for my family is by caring for myself. So definitely as soon as you have a tiny bit of breathing space, fit some self-care in. Yeah. And I would argue even before you have that breathing space, yeah. take care of yourself and then realize, oh, look, laundry's not getting done because I'm taking some time for my own spiritual, physical well-being. It's time to outsource that. Um, don't drop that self-care, right? Um, I was recently thinking about the same thing. Just, I mean, obviously the loss, um, of any parent would be devastating, but a mother, especially 
especially if you're the one that's primarily running the household, like you are very essential to your family. Please take care of yourself. As you can probably tell after having a baby or getting sick or whatever, everything grinds to a halt when mom is not feeling well or mom is not functioning at full capacity. And so, um, yeah, so it's, it's not selfish. It's actually, like you say, a, a way that you care for your family. It's by caring for yourself, right? Yeah. I have to, I have to insert here a little, little tiny humor thing. I have to, I have teased my husband in the past quite a bit about having a large life insurance policy on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in all seriousness, he says, no, you don't realize how much you do and how much care and attention these kids would require for me. I would have to, you know, quit my job to be able to take care of these kids in the way right. that you do and get them through the loss of a mother, you know, so that kind of thing. But I, you know, I tease him about this enormous life insurance policy. He has on me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All the money should be on mom. Just kidding. We love you dads. Dads are great. Um, okay. So along those lines, I've noticed that um, it's, it almost seems across the board. Most moms struggle with self-care at some point or another, right? They start to tell themselves it feels selfish or something. But I've noticed that in smaller families, eventually you get to a point where the housework is mostly done, the kids are out to play, and you have a few minutes to sit down and read or paint your toenails or do something for yourself, right? Beyond just the basic feeding and (laughs) sleeping aspects of self-care. But uh, Audrey and I have noticed that after, well, at least for me personally, after about child number six, that no longer happened. There was never a moment in the day or even the week when everything was done and I could sit down. Like there was just always something that needed to be done all day, every day (laughs) and always someone that needed me. And so I have had to fight and claw my way to a few minutes to myself. And it is difficult sometimes, but it's so worth it. So worth it. And I've, I've been doing a pretty good job of it lately. And I just feels so much better. Like, you know, like life is just so much more manageable when I'm taking care of my own spiritual, physical, emotional needs. Oh yes. So, so true. So one thing that's really super important to me is, um, being physically fit. And we have a whole episode, episode 50 about post-pregnancy fitness so that you understand, like, I'm not this cut chiseled six pack person. Oh, but it was so important to me that when I had um, fewer kids and I didn't have as much um, time carved out for self-care, I exercised with my kids um, because I needed that, that exercise. But now one, one thing that I, I kind of consider a luxury or self-care thing for me is that I exercise alone and not all the time, not every time that I exercise. I, you know, I have a kid who loves to drop in and do yoga with me. But for the most part, you know, I do exercise alone. You know, when you have a kid doing yoga with you, they they chatter at you the whole time. Mom, look at me, look at me. I can do this down dog. I can or look at my- Or they climb on your back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's one thing for me um, because I feel like it's refreshing my mind as well as my body. But go listen to that episode. It's a good one. Another thing that I do that I, I consider self-care is my husband really likes to do the grocery shopping and I didn't feel like I could let it go before to him because I don't know, this probably this misconstrued thought I had that it was my duty to do the grocery shopping or whatever. So that's kind of a self-care thing for me. I let him do the grocery shopping and I, and I just take time and sew or do something that gives me, you know, fills me up, fills my cup again. <laughs> And then a last example, um, something that I is just really self-care for me is just to let go and to have peace with the delegating um, things to kids that aren't going to do it in my, you know, super neurotic perfectionist way, but I'm at peace with them doing it. Like I see the, the benefits of them learning 
and learning without me hovering over them, you know, being a perfectionist, the corners of that towel aren't touching, do it again (laughs) (laughs) or whatever thing. So just, um, that's part of self-care for me is mentally just letting go of some of those things that really just aren't that big of a deal. Yeah. And that is a struggle. I mean, I will say that I've had multiple experiences where moms of smaller families have said, oh, I could just never let X, Y, Z go. And I want to say, I don't want to let it go either. In a perfect world, I would have perfectly folded towels and my floor would always be clean and et cetera, et cetera. But to me, my priority of having a large family and taking care of myself are way more important than what my towels look like, you know, or even what my toilets look like. And so we've had to, to adjust. So it's totally a personal thing, you know, and if you're listening to this, you're probably, um, thinking about, or in that position of having a large family. And so you're probably feeling similarly, but things change when, um, your, your plate gets really, really full and things start getting pushed off, right? (laughs) Like, what do I want to keep in the center here? And for me, it's similar to Audrey's. Um, I have dedicated alone exercise time now, which sometimes I still feel a little bit guilty about because um, I still have a nursing baby, so it's hard for me to get up really early. So I'll go exercise at eight, and sometimes that's not a great time to leave my family because kids are eating and trying to get dressed, and sometimes my big kids are helpful and sometimes they're not. But you know what? No one dies. It's just it's okay if I come back and my toddler is still in a soggy diaper. We just take care of it when I come back. You know, not a big deal. Um, I also have some dedicated working hours in the afternoon where I build my business that is 100% done for my own benefit. (laughs) It's it's all for, for building me up and being creative and doing something that I love to do. You know, um, they, I still sometimes question my priorities in those areas because I think, oh my gosh, I really need to just clean out this fridge. And I say, no, but that's not going to fill me up like these other things that I need. And in order to be the mom I want to be, I need to feel, feel full. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah. And so once you've worked on your relationship with yourself, which is what self-care is, (laughs) you need to make sure that your spouse, your relationship with your spouse is, that's like the thing that comes next. So we have such a great resource out there for you on our marriage episodes. Check out all of those marriage episodes. We do a deep dive into a bunch of different areas of your relationship with your spouse. Yes. And all the relationship things are just about making time, right? We talk about that a lot in our marriage episodes. Um, so our family often delegates bedtime of the younger kids to the teens so that Luke and I can go for a walk. And that's when we do a lot of our talking in the evening, at least when the weather's nice. It's been so nice to create that additional time for connection in the evenings. Um, and because I've noticed because household tasks can now take up all of my time, I, I need to really focus on making sure that I take time to be a mother, to do some actual mothering and not just household tasks, right? So oftentimes those can be um, combined, right? I can sit and chat with my eight-year-old while we're both wiping down the counter, um, et cetera. But very often I get in hyper-focus mode and I'm just barking out orders and I'm not really connecting with my children, not being a mother. Um, and as we've talked about before, mothering really has nothing to do with the state of your house <laughs> and how clean it is. <laughs> that's, that's a relationship, right? So once again, we decide, we decide on the bare minimums that we have to have around our house. And that also includes where we spend our time. Yeah. Yeah. And that is moving on to relationships with our kids. Each, each kid has different needs and we have a really neat episode episode 32 about one-on-one time where we actually talk more about 
connecting with your kids in a way that's meaningful with them um, instead of making sure you have a certain number of minutes of one-on-one time with them. Mm -hmm. Because each child has a different personality and needs to be connected with in different ways. And, And it looks different. Like part of my relationship with my children includes my relationship with their siblings. Like we're not a a single child family. (laughs) And so we don't try to have a relationship with each of our kids as if they were our only child. We have a relationship with them that includes a relationship with their siblings as well. I don't know if I'm um, making any sense here, but it's definitely, yeah. It's more of a web, right? Than a chain, right? Like everybody is connected in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So there's ways that you can um, bolster those relationships um, and, and spend a little more time. Well, again, I don't want to say quantity time. I want to talk about quality time. And so what you do to help each kid that you can connect with that kid and they can be, their needs can be met in the way that they need um, is just really important. And it, it looks different when you have a big family versus a small family. Right, right. Like I've noticed one of my children really, really, really needs to talk about her day. And so at the end of the day, I have to make sure that I'm available emotionally, <laughs> mentally, and physically to sit and listen to her the rundown of her day. She has to do that every day. Another child needs to touch me like at least 30 times a day. <laughs> and uh, I really need to, you know, make sure that I'm patient enough for him to come up and, and tap me and me be okay with it. Because um, I didn't always used to be that way. But I'm learning that that's how he connects, you know. So I might not ever have 20 minutes to sit and talk with that one. But he he got to come hug me a million times. And so that's what he needed. (laughs) Uh, Before we wrap up, I also wanted to make sure you go listen to episode 95. Um, That one is on small house, large family, where we talk about fitting a large family into a smaller size per person than um, many people think that you need. That's a great one as well about big families. And then I also have a blog post on the pros and cons of a big family that I wrote quite a while ago, but that's been a fun one to revisit. Um, and to wrap up, we just want to talk about some of the blessings that we have seen and some of the beauty of having a large family, because very often, you know, we all get into this place where we're just frustrated with life and we like to complain a lot. Um, homeschooling does that to you sometimes. And I have to remind myself to tell people about the beauty of these choices that I've made or else people think I'm just crazy. Why'd you do this if it drives you crazy, right? Um But I really believe that so much of the good that I'm seeing in my children is a direct result of the fact that they live in this large family. Not that there is not wonderful beauty in smaller families as well, but I see this intense amount of cooperation. I see this love um, between siblings, especially when there's a large age gap that you might not see in other families, you know, 15, 16 years. Um, that they start to become a bit of an adult and and really connect with these younger kids and see the beauty of toddlerhood and babyhood, even though it might be might have been annoying to them just four or five years earlier, right? I've seen so much beauty in in the in the chaos. I, that's hard to explain to people who don't see it because chaos often has a negative connotation, but the busyness of of life. There's always there's just a lot of life going on in our household, and I think that is one of the most wonderful blessings. There's very little quiet, which is sometimes exhausting, but also so fun to be in a household that is constantly bustling and lots of people there to share love and stories and connection and laughter. Yes. I did not um, foresee 
so many of the blessings and beauties of having a large family and some of those things that you talked about. Um, the dynamic between teenagers and toddlers in the house is just incredible. I, I love it. I did not know I could love it so much, <laughs> but it is amazing. That is one of my favorite things about a large family is just watching the dynamics between the kids. Um, it's yeah. Like there's not sibling rivalry between my 18 year old, and my two year old. They're like best buds. Like yeah, they are so just cute. best buds. They're not competing, you know, for anything like sometimes kids of closer ages can do. And they, I just, Oh man, it's one of my favorite things for sure. And, um, just simply, Oh, the presence that a large family brings when they walk into a room <laughs> and, and not, not just, a, you know, like a group of people, like we could, you know, corral some people out on the street to walk in and make a big splash with us, but it's, it's the unified agreement and story that comes with a large family. Just, just the beauty of being able to, um, I, I don't know how to say it. Wow. People with the size of our fam family and that we all love each other. And we have so much, uh, so, so many, so much interplay, so much relationship stuff, so much fun going on. It's like, I don't know, bringing the party <laughs> Yeah, and not because, yeah, yeah. you know, we're all jolly and laughing and teasing all the time. It's just that we're, we're there and together and there's a lot going on. Um, another thing I really love about, a large family is, um, we talk about it so much on the podcast, but like our 20 year vision and just visualizing in 20 years, what a tribe we're going to be and how we're working on that. Now we, we just did a recent episode on, um, family vision and, um, but just having all these people on your team, and you're all aiming for the same goal and you're going the same direction. You, you're connected by blood and genetics and all these things going for you. And it's just like a large force working in your favor. It's, it's people on your side. It's, it's your team. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're all together and we're, we're aiming in, in the same direction. It's just such a neat feeling like you're not driving the car kind of like the car is driving you now and it's this thing you set in motion and and you couldn't stop it if you tried because it's so uh, so gorgeous I just love it and yeah I just if I had to do it all over again I would do it all over again exactly the same I just <laughs> am so thankful that my husband and I opened ourselves to God's plan for us to have a large family yeah, I love that you said about the, you know, always playing together. And it's so neat that there's always someone to connect with, right? Sometimes I'm just in a playful mood and I think I'd like to play a board game or I want to wrestle with somebody or I want to tickle somebody. And there's always somebody up for that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's pretty great. My other thought was on you were, when you were talking about the interplay between the older kids and the younger kids is that um, when you have a baby or a toddler that's doing these adorable things, the first thing you want to do after you enjoy it is share it, right? People yeah. Putting it on Instagram yes. or Facebook and they're calling grandma and they're FaceTiming cousins. Look how cute they can walk. Look at how cute they can babble. And it's so fun to have this built-in cheer section, right? Mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in their family, like <laughs> my baby started making a cute little face and everybody's coming up to me. Mom, did you see? Mom, did you see? She makes that face. Look, make her, look, make her make the face. Do it again. Do it again. So 
fun to see my other children just be delighted with these cute little milestones that the kids do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it's not all sunshine and roses. No family ever is. Every family has their struggles. Um, but larger families might just have struggles that look a little bit different than smaller families, but there's so, so, so much beauty in it. And we are so privileged to be able to raise our large families. I think we initially started this episode because we had um, a listener reach out to us and talk to us about, ask us to share our thoughts and um, how to prepare to have a large family or to expand their family. We did a previous episode on how to preparing to have a family, to grow your family, but they specifically wanted us to talk about some of these large family things. And we just really, really are happy to share um, how much we love large families, what a blessing it has been to the two of us and, and, and our families. And that um, it's just something that if you are feeling moved or inspired to have a large family, we definitely encourage you to open yourself up to that. We hope some of these tips and insights into large families have been helpful for any of you who are contemplating or just curious about what it's like. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. 